0: This is Weekly Signals Interviews, broadcast every Tuesday morning from 8 to 9 on KUCI, 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. 1944, the U.S. government feared the flood of returning World War II soldiers as much as it looked forward to peace. To avoid economic catastrophe, FDR, the American Legion, William Randolph Hearst, and others began crafting the Servicemen's Readjustment Act of 1944. It would be the single most transformative bill of the 20th century. In his new book, Over Here, how the GI Bill transformed the American dream. Our guest today, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Edward Humes. Examines the immediate and enduring effects of this program for vets that's included home loans, health care, educational funds, and career counseling. Hume's numerous books include School of Dreams, Mean Justice, No Matter How Loud I Shout, and the best selling Mississippi Mud. Edward Humes, welcome to Weekly Signals. Good morning. How are you today?
1: I'm doing well.
0: Now you're you're just up the road uh, from us there in uh, Seal Beach, right? That's correct. How are things in Seal Beach these days? Are You guys keeping the development out of that area? Uh,
1: yes, actually, I uh, just a uh, couple weeks ago I had a op-ed piece in the L.A. Times about uh-huh. the the uh, brewing controversy over three-story construction near the beach here in our little town of uh, of Seal Beach. It's gotten everybody quite riled up here.
0: Oh, what well, what's your opinion of it? Keep it down.
1: You know, I'd like to see uh, see the, uh, the the small town virtues of uh, you know I call it the last little beach town in Southern California uh, preserved as much as possible. So I'm more on the uh, take it easy on those uh, mansionized beach lots uh, as much as we can.
0: Now, how long have you lived in this area?
1: Well, I moved to uh, to Southern California hmm, 21 years ago.
0: Oh. I was uh,
1: from Arizona, where I worked for a newspaper. There.
0: Now, now uh, what inspired you? What inspired you to write a book about the GI Bill?
1: Well, it, it, it's one of those subjects that seems very familiar and, and recognizable. Oh yeah, that GI Bill. I, I know all about that. Well, in fact, most people really don't understand, and I didn't until I, I started digging into it. Just how uh, transformative. This, this law was for our country at a time when um, the country could have gone in any number of directions. Mm-hmm. And if you look today at our society, at where we live, how we live, um, how we educate ourselves, who gets to go on to, to college after high school, uh, that and so much more, the very existence of suburbia and the middle class, the footprints of the G.I. Bill are all over that to this day.
2: Um, As a matter of fact, in the area that you currently live, um, I think it's safe to say that Lakewood was really built by the G.I. Bill, wasn't it? Yes, well, that's one of the stories
1: I I tell it over here, actually. I I try and follow the lives of of different uh, men and women who served in World War II and and who used the G.I. Bill, and and one of the... the, uh, and I write about Bill Thomas. Uh, moved out to California after the war and went to, to college in Long Beach. And, and uh, um, was one of the first buyers of the uh, homes in Lakewood, which was uh, one of the early suburban communities that were, were raised up literally out of out of bean fields. You know, and this began happening all over the the country, financed with the Uh, very uh, low-interest, no-money-down mortgages that the GI Bill made available to millions of of veterans after the war. And it was the creation of of mass-produced housing in America and of of mass-produced mortgages, which just didn't exist prior to World War II. We were a a nation primarily of renters until um, uh, the opportunities to, to become homeowners that the uh, GI Bill offered.
2: Let's go back to the beginning. What is the GI Bill? Well, first, whose whose idea was the GI Bill? First of all, <laughs> well, it's like <laughs> one of those uh, everyone uh, had a an great answer.
1: idea. It's had more mothers and fathers than uh, yeah. than is naturally possible of uh, mm-hmm. people who've claimed credit for it. But uh, the origins for it really stemmed from the uh, the country's long and sad history of mistreating its veterans. Um, dating all the way back to the veterans of the Revolutionary War who were, were stiffed on their pensions and, and weren't paid for 40 years, until most, actually until most of them had already passed away before Congress finally um, authorized the pensions that had been promised when, when the men enlisted to, to fight against the Redcoats. And that pattern continued in conflict after conflict. We uh, um, did not do well by our... Uh, military veterans, and that came to a head after World War One and during the Depression, when a large contingent, um, uh, over twenty thousand veterans, many of them accompanied by their wives and childrens children, uh, marched on Washington and demanded that uh, President Hoover and Congress pay them the the uh, war service bonuses that they had coming to them, and that had been delayed because of the economic. Uh, hard times, and uh, instead of negotiating with them or uh, considering um, pay, payment of some sort, or at least placating them, uh, President Hoover decided to order uh, the last armed cavalry charge on American soil to, to burn the encampment, the Hooverville that these veterans had erected uh, outside the, the White House area, and uh, and to drive them at Sabre Point from the capital. Images of that, which were reproduced in newspapers across the country, horrified the the nation. You know, Franklin Roosevelt was then the governor of New York. He woke up the next morning, looked at the papers, says, "Well, I guess I just won the presidency," and <laughs> and it was true. It was really the capstone on a on a failed administration, and it also convinced uh, our leaders and the public that we had to do something different the next time. That this couldn't be repeated. Uh, It was wrong. First of all, it was morally repugnant. Uh, We should honor our veterans. It's something that we can all agree upon. There was also a considerable amount of fear. Sixteen million men and women served in World War II. That's one in eight living Americans at the time. The idea of not treating them well and having not tens of thousands, but perhaps millions of angry uh, veterans uh, hardened in battle, marching on the capital, was not a sight our uh, leaders wanted to see. And so, for all those reasons, a uh, an unprecedented program of of benefits and uh, uh, other money, training, and so forth was suggested as a means of uh, preventing. <laughs> Past wrongs and writing past wrongs, but also uh, reintegrating this huge number of, of veterans back into uh, society and back into the economy once the war ended.
2: Were the were these uh, proposed? Was this proposal the, it, Was it at the time called the the Servicemen's Readjustment Act, or was yes? It, that, did it start it, out that way?
1: It was well.
2: Uh, I mean, well, I
1: guess know, at one time there was literally hundreds of proposals. In Congress, and this is during the height of World War II. This was before the outcome was even known, and Roosevelt had, in one of his fireside chats, promised the country that we would uh, we would not leave this till after the war. That we would begin planning to win the peace uh, before the war was over, because if we waited until it was over, it would be too late. And he, he gave the very broadest outlines of what he thought those. Uh, that uh, uh, Servicemen's Readjustment Act should contain. And then uh, all manner of lobbyists, of veterans' organizations and uh, congressmen uh, came up with different plans, and they ranged from just giving every veteran $5,000 when he comes home or continuing uh, a year's worth of military pay after... Uh, discharge, and there was just one idea after another that was tossed out. The one that caught fire and the one that ended up getting the uh, broad bipartisan support in Congress was one put forth by the American Legion that um, followed the broad roadmap that FDR had offered, and, and but with real specifics on health care, on housing, education benefits, unemployment benefits, um and uh, small business loans. Those were the main areas.
0: Well, well now, did, did anyone not benefit from the GI Bill? Because it, it seems like it was probably the m- most successful bill that was ever passed in history as far as this country goes. You have a list of, of people that, you know, just personalities we know uh, that have benefited from it. Is is there a case to, uh, to be made that it did didn't benefit a certain group of Americans? Uh,
1: Yes. Well, I think what the plus side of the GI Bill, and it really was in in terms of its reach and impact and and positive force in American society, it's it's really one of the handful of five or six pieces of legislation that uh, the country has adopted since its founding that uh, has uh, been critical to... Making America what it is, and and that's a for better or worse kind of thing. You can look yeah. at well, the GI Bill is principally responsible for creating suburbia. Some of us think that's a good yeah. thing. Some of us <laughs> not. Um, so, and so in that way, it it cuts in several directions. But yes, you you can look at the GI Bill and say, well, you know, it provided the education for fourteen Nobel Prize winners for uh, two hundred and. 38,000 teachers, for 450,000 engineers, for uh, uh, 67,000 doctors, for uh, 91,000 researchers in in the sciences. And these are the people who went on to uh, pioneer all the medical breakthroughs that we uh, have benefited from since World War II. Uh, who uh, created the technologies of destruction that uh, we had in place during the Cold War? Who uh, taught our children in all the schools that had to be built in suburbia, and so forth? So the, the many positive effects are 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 almost
2: incalculable. The preponderance of good that came out of this far outweighs, in at least what I know of the GI Bill, far outweigh anything that would have been uh, that could be called negative It, well, it really it solidified fell Didn't down it really in one area
1: and I wanted to answer yeah, okay. that question yeah, because yeah. it's not all perfect. Where it fell down is in not fulfilling its promise to women and to uh, minorities. I was going to ask particularly African Americans. Now this was 10 years before um, the, the, the civil rights movement really took off 10 years before Rosa Parks we have this legislation in place, the war's over. And on paper, it is the first explicitly colorblind piece of social welfare legislation uh, ever. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it had been championed, a war service, volunteering for war service, had been championed by the Urban League and by other uh, black organizations in America uh, as a way of jump-starting the civil rights movement in America, because it was thought all right, we're fighting fascism abroad and then we're going to come home and we're going to end segregation and racism at home, and the GI Bill is going to be the vehicle for that. And on paper it really should have been, but what happened is in order to um, get it through Congress and to win the support of the, uh, the, the, the block of Southern Democrats who uh, did not want to see the Jim Crow laws and, and, and mandated segregation end, um, certain concessions eventually were made that, and these, it was a kind of a poison pill. And the uh, GI Bill benefits um, were set up in such a way so they had to be administered locally by locally appointed veterans officials rather than having uh, the benefits be doled out from Washington. And the effect of that was that in parts of the country where uh, segregation was the was the way of life and the law of the land, uh, black veterans were denied the benefits that they were legally entitled to.
2: So apparently there weren't any um, m- mediating um, clauses. In the, they couldn't take their case to, to a higher authority. This is what no.
1: Was. It, it was really set up. And, and you know, the, the world was a different place yeah. at that time. and uh, the, the, so it, It's one of the shameful legacies of, of the GI Bill that the most life-changing benefits that it offered, home ownership and college education, were not um, as available to to black veterans, and, and to some extent to women veterans, uh, as they were to to uh, white veterans. Speak- that's, that's where where it failed to accomplish what it could have and should have accomplished.
0: We're speaking with Edward Humes. The book is over here. And... Yeah, I was just wondering, what? I guess where I'm really going with this question is, why don't we see this today? And I guess the first way to get to that is, uh, how is this uh, gradually phased out? Why why wasn't the GI Bill continued on?
1: Well, we do have a GI Bill. But, but uh, there's been one uh, version of it or another in effect continuously since World War II. It but, It's... It's changed over time.
2: That's, I think, uh, think
1: that's to,
0: what I'm driving at there. <laughs> I'm sorry.
1: But what, consider the – imagine telling – and this is what happened when, when World War II ended. Imagine telling an entire generation could have a free college education anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, University of California, Harvard, the Sorbonne, anywhere that would accept you, courtesy of Uncle Sam. Free ride, tuition, mm-hmm. books. A stipend to live off of, and then when you get out, you have government-backed home loans, no money down. It's cheaper to buy a home than to rent an apartment. And at this year, in this era, with the GI Bill, and then there's business loans, job training, farm loans, all of it free for an basically an entire generation of Americans.
2: It really. Really Can you imagine
1: a politician proposing that today? Well,
2: <laughs> they'd be laughed
1: out of town. Yeah. But it was a matter of course at the time. Nobody even questioned that this wasn't an appropriate activity for government to do. That's how far we've come. Right. Uh, when when you polled Americans back then, and right up until through the through the Kennedy years, and asked them what do you think of our government, they would tell you more often than not, it will do the right thing. That is not the answer that you get in polls today. And consequently, people aren't looking for these kinds of transformative um, uh, public works from our, from our government these days. Uh, no one's expecting it, and, and we're certainly not getting it. The GI Bill today, first of all, only reaches not you know, one in eight Americans, but uh, less than one in 100, because that's how many people serve in our military. You now. So it's self-limiting in that respect there's no also no more free rides to harvard and no more cheaper to buy homes than to rent apartments aspect to it the economy has changed and the benefits haven't kept pace with that
2: it it really expanded the the, the middle class solidified the middle class and also became a vehicle by which people could better themselves in terms of class they that and that was i guess the great the great virtue of it was what it, it it moved those millions of people up the ladder economically and was and then allowed them the opportunity to provide an educational opportunity for their children and it really made it so that people could provide for their children and beyond didn't it
1: oh oh absolutely well it's so fascinating too because the, uh, the take the college benefit this the, I, I think that is the one that had Perhaps the most lasting effect on uh, America, no one expected the GIs to return and go in large numbers to college. Maybe a couple hundred thousand at most were expected. Take advantage of this benefit, you know. No Namby can't bambi college for our, <laughs> our our fighting men and women, you know. They, mm-hmm. But and and really, that, that expectation, that low expectation, is what allowed it to, to be uh, passed into law. Because the college presidents of the era, uh, from uh, from the president of Harvard and and the University of Chicago on down, were up in arms over this idea. Um, Uh, President Hutchins of the University of Chicago, a very progressive force in education at the time, uh, was very down on this idea of the GI Bill education. And he said it's going to turn our campuses into hobo jungles. That was oh, the wow. term for what the GI Bill and Disaster and catastrophe was predicted. And the Congress said, don't worry about it. Nobody's going to do this anyway. You know, who wants to go to college? It wasn't then on the radar screen for a majority of Americans. It was an elite bastion. It, and, and it was also not considered a very lucrative career path uh, <laughs> to take. You to know, spend you know,
2: all that time in, in school.
1: Exactly. Yeah. You, you got to remember, in yeah. that era, most adults didn't even have a high school diploma in right. America. Right. Then, to everyone's astonishment, not it's not a couple hundred thousand, but it's seven million veterans take advantage of the education benefits. We have over two million going to four-year colleges, another five million going to vocational and technical training programs. This blew everyone away. Uh, the consequences of that were, first of all, the the, the The the, the college presidents who predicted the uh, doom to higher education in America had to eat their words because the veterans proved to be the most successful students of their era. Secondly, it changed the idea of uh, of what used to be called college material (laughs) was considered to be in America. Uh, There was a realization that many more. Uh, people from men much more diverse backgrounds could benefit and should benefit from a college education. And and that, in turn, created an entire professional class in America that didn't even exist before.
2: And and also, along with it, an expectation for people, for the children of the people.
1: Exactly, because if there's one truism of America, at least until, until now, unfortunately, polls are showing we don't hold it as a truism anymore, but it, it always had been, uh, the next generation will... Do better than yeah. than the previous one, and so if these GIs were going to college in large numbers, of course their children had to have that opportunity, and and so the expectation was born, uh, uh, leading to where we are now, where where uh, college is something aspired to by a majority of our young people, and it's it's really considered a virtual entitlement for a huge segment of our population.
2: And w- when we don't. Do these kinds of at least when we don't invest in veterans the way that we did with the GI Bill, we see the consequences of what happened to the vets of Vietnam and even the first Gulf War. We're seeing a lot more crime and a lot a lot of social ills that that we didn't have to deal with as much after World War II.
1: Well, well, absolutely, and and it, it's another effect is that the the involvement of of the government and of the monies it made available for housing and for college yeah. education it basically subsidized housing and, and college education for the whole population right. it brought the cost of it down. Right. it made it affordable. You know, mortgages were out of reach of eighty five to ninety percent of the u s population prior to World War two It was well, very expensive yeah. and and suddenly, hey. These deals were available for everyone, not just veterans.
2: We, we've been speaking with Edward Humes. The book is over here, um, How the GI Bill Transformed the American Dream. I have one last question for you. If people knew more about the benefits of the GI Bill, do you think we could get another sort of re- re-energized GI Bill out of, a, out of a Democratic Congress with all the vets that are coming back?
1: Well, you know, i talk talked to a lot of veterans of World War II about this very issue. And, and, you know, here's a couple of guys I I, I posed the question to, Bob Dole and George McGovern. Yeah. Now, you couldn't ask for two more ideologically opposite fellows than um, the conservative Republican Dole and the liberal Democrat McGovern. Both of them were World War II veterans. Both of them were heroes. Most people know that about Dole. Most don't know it about McGovern. He was a decorated bomber pilot, and um, both of them were from very humble origins and got their educations and starts in life after the war through the GI Bill. And both of them think it's pretty much the greatest piece of legislation uh, of the 20th century. And both of them think that we need to resurrect it in That's some nice. way, not just for veterans but for young people in general. Right. Offer. Education. The next generation, the same kinds of
2: opportunities. All right, all right. Well, you're
0: going to be uh, teaching here at UCI next quarter, is it?
1: Or uh, yes, I uh, yeah. um, I was invited to uh, teach a course in the uh, literary journalism program at Excellent. UCI that uh, is in the English department. I'm very excited about that, right. and uh, it'll be a new venture for me.
0: All right. Well, well, good luck with that. We look forward to having you here on campus. Yeah,
2: me too. All right. Well, Edward Humes, the book over here, How the G.I. Bill Transformed the American Dream, thank you for being here on Weekly Signals. My pleasure.
0: To learn more about Weekly Signals interviews, including upcoming guests, or to download the podcast, visit our website at weeklysignals.com. And be sure to visit nathancallahan.com for daily readings and feature articles.
2: Until next week... I'm Nathan Callahan, and I'm Mike Kaspar, and this is Weekly Signals.